Welcome back to another episode of Raising Healthy Eaters, the podcast. I'm Bridget, your host and founder of Raising Healthy Eaters. We're continuing in our 10-part series on the do's and don'ts of feeding kids where I share 10 strategies for helping your children eat well. This is number eight in the series and is another mealtime do. If you missed any of the previous episodes, check them out so you can hear all of the tips and maximize the benefits for how your child eats. Today, I'm going to talk about something I mentioned in the last episode as part of the mealtime environment. And it's one that can be a bit tricky in today's society, but as with the other strategies, the benefits are immense and well worth the effort of putting it into practice in your home. This is a factor that impacts how much our kids eat, and the type of food they eat. It's the result of a number of different environmental influences that, if left unchecked, ultimately lead to obesity and other detrimental effects. But don't worry, there are several ways to prevent it from impacting your child's health. Are you curious what I'm talking about? It is distraction, and your job is to minimize it every time your child eats because part of creating that positive mealtime environment that helps motivate a child to eat well is reducing distractions. Before I tell you just how to do that, let me share exactly what it means in terms of eating, what our kids are distracted by, how it changes what we eat and how we eat, and the long-term consequences. Some of you might be thinking, here we go, she's about to talk to us about TV during meals. And you're partially correct. However, the focus for today is distraction in general and not so much the effect of screen time on our kids' health because distraction comes in many different forms. TV and other screens like phones, video games, tablets, and computers are probably the most common distractions during meals. In fact, most kids spend six hours or more per day using these electronics, with 89% of kids using them during meals. But even without these devices, other distractions can exist. My three-year-old, for example, tries to bring his toys to the table, and if I don't notice it right away, he will spend a good amount of time focused more on the toys than his eating. My oldest daughter, on the other hand, might bring a book to the table and attempt to read while she eats. I've had families report their pets as distraction at mealtime. Have those of you with pets noticed the kids playing with the dog or giving them the majority of their attention? Maybe feeding your pet so they're more focused on giving the pet a treat than eating the food themselves. But then we have the kids themselves who can be a distraction. If they're running around or playing or not sitting in their seats during a meal, everyone can get distracted and have a hard time focusing on their eating. I've seen that time restraints can also divert attention away from a meal because the focus is usually on the tight schedule. All of these things cause what's called distracted eating or eating a scheduled meal or snack while doing something else that holds more of your attention than the meal does. In previous episodes, I've talked a lot about hunger driving, whether or not we eat and how much we eat, but it really is only part of the equation. We also have to consider attention because the only way to know if we're hungry or full is to tune in to how our body feels. 
What research has found is that distracted eating results in a type of memory loss, if you will. We're not able to record memory of eating recently. In other words, we forget that we ate recently, and sometimes we forget what we ate or even how much we ate. And these are the two most impacted factors of distracted eating, what we eat and how we eat. Now, while I'm sharing all of this within the context of child nutrition and the effect of distracted eating on kids, it's important to know that these effects apply to everyone regardless of age. So kiddos from their first year in life all the way up through adolescence and even adults are impacted by distracted eating. So this really is a topic that can benefit everyone in the family. So in terms of what we eat, distracted eating causes kids to eat more fat, more sugar, more salt, and more caffeine, particularly if the distraction is coming from a screen. Because when kids are in front of a screen, they tend to eat more fried foods, more baked goods or desserts, more sweets, and they tend to drink more soda and other sweetened beverages. So if you think about when you go out to the movies, it is the norm to get popcorn, candy, and soda. And I think the association between watching something on a screen and eating these foods is so strong and it's so ingrained in our culture today that we carry this habit into our own homes. And so when we're watching those screens in our own homes, we kind of feel like, oh, I need to be snacking on these foods. Because kids are eating more processed foods when they are in front of screens, the nutritious options get pushed out of their diet. And consequently, they eat fewer fruits and vegetables, fewer whole grains, and even less protein. Another impact of distracted eating is that kids tend to eat more than they need. So they end up eating too much if they eat while they're distracted. Now, when I worked in the early intervention setting with families, I did have a few cases where distraction was used therapeutically to increase a child's intake, but these were special situations and the goal was never to cause the child to overeat. But that is what happens when kiddos who don't have these unique situations going on eat when they're distracted. The effects of distracted eating on how our kids eat relate to the problem of overeating. Distraction from any source, whether it be electronics or toys, will lead to mindless eating or eating without really being aware of whether or not we are full. When you're not tapped into how your stomach is feeling, it's really easy to eat too much. The ability to sense fullness is reduced when we're distracted, which makes a lot of sense. Again, if your attention is elsewhere, it's much harder to be mindful of how much is eaten and it becomes easier to override any sensation of fullness because it's not really being registered to begin with. In fact, research has found that not only do we eat more when we're distracted, but we end up feeling less satisfied, which means we're more likely to eat our next meal or snack earlier and we'll overeat again. So we end up having multiple occasions in a day where we are overeating. The takeaway here is that distraction fuels the desire to continue eating, even if you've had enough to meet your needs. The other impact distracted eating has on how we eat is that it's associated with fewer family meals. 
And family meals have immense benefits for the overall health of children of all ages. But when distractions are present, families often aren't eating together. Even when sitting at the same table, if each person is focused on their phones or watching the TV or playing with a toy, then each person is in their own world and they're eating mindlessly without any interaction between each other. So those are the impacts of distracted eating on what we eat, which usually means more processed foods, higher in fat, sugar, salt, and calories, and it causes us to eat mindlessly which allows that overeating to happen and it impacts family meals in a negative manner. Now what I want to look at are what are the outcomes to our kids if we're eating while distracted. And researchers have found that kids who eat when distracted tend to be overweight and they have a higher chance of developing obesity, which can then follow them into adulthood. As a quick aside, I want to mention that eating while watching a screen is considered an obesogenic factor, and that is something that contributes to the development of obesity. But back to the issue of distracted eating leading to overweight and obesity, this really does make sense knowing that the foods kids eat when distracted aren't the most nutritious options and they tend to overeat them. Over time, the other effect we see on kids is that they develop a lower preference for foods that support health. So lower preference for fruits, vegetables, whole grains, leaner protein sources. And this too is something that will follow them into adulthood and shape their preferences for food as an adult. For parents who are distracted during meals, the ability to feed in a responsive manner is reduced. So it's much harder to pay attention to our children's needs when our focus is elsewhere. And this can really have a big negative impact on the little guys who are somewhat dependent on us for their eating or their feeding. Okay, so we know distracted eating causes most children and adults to eat too much and to eat more foods with less nutritional value. But I do want to share with you that the opposite does happen in a small portion of children. That is, some kids will eat very little or nothing at all when a distraction is present. And you might notice this if you've ever watched a movie with your kids during a meal that maybe some of them are eating just fine, but maybe one of them is so engrossed in the movie that they haven't touched their plate. In this subset of kids, they might end up undereating in the long run and run into problems of underweight. But for most, they end up overeating at the next meal, and overweight tends to be the more common outcome. And I'd like to share with you a little story that I think highlights the impacts of distracted eating. And this is from an experience I had working with a family who had a toddler that was classified as obese and his weight was continuing to go up pretty rapidly. When I started working with them and looking at all of the factors that might be contributing to his rapid weight gain, I found a few things. But basically the routine for this family was that his mom had to work like these off hours, maybe evening or night shifts. So she had to take him to his grandparents' house at odd hours of the day and night. 
and they often had a rushed breakfast in the car on the way to grandma's. Mom would typically stop at a fast food restaurant and the little guy would have a cheeseburger for breakfast in the car. And then at grandma's, he had free run of the kitchen. I mean, he could get anything he wanted out of the pantry at any time. And he was in the habit of grabbing a full-size bag of nacho chips and sitting down in front of the TV where he would eat the entire bag. Then he would go looking for more. The distractions that he was dealing with were the time constraints and having that rushed schedule of, you know, hurry and eat breakfast in the car, and then the distraction from the TV. Between these two things, he really didn't have the opportunity to focus on what and how much he was eating. He didn't have the opportunity to focus on whether or not he felt full or hungry, and so he was constantly overeating. Once we removed those distractions and changed the food options that were available, his weight gain slowed dramatically, and that was the goal for him. When we're able to remove most, if not all, distractions, kids can actually focus on what their bellies are telling them whether it be I'm still hungry or I've had enough, I'm full. Their attention will naturally focus on enjoyment and satisfaction of the meal, which will reduce the desire to eat too much. And this has been found in a lot of different studies looking at mindful versus mindless eating. Without distraction, both kids and adults are really surprisingly good at estimating their calorie needs and serving themselves just the right amount of food. Researchers believe this develops from a memory of how much it usually takes to get full. And if we eat while we're distracted, we're essentially programming ourselves to continue eating too much. All right, so now that you know all of the ways distraction can show up, how it impacts what we eat and how we eat, and those long-term effects that can impact our kids, I want to go ahead and share with you several ways that you can reduce distractions in the mealtime environment. And I want to emphasize that this applies to both meals and snacks. I'm going to share six tips with you, and I encourage you to maybe pick one or two to try, and then let me know what happens. My first tip for you is to set boundaries around distractions, particularly distractions with screens, because those are particularly detrimental. So think about these as mealtime rules. You might establish a rule that TV and video games are off during meals and tablets and phones are put away somewhere away from the table. Some families have a basket that all the handheld devices are put in whenever it's time to sit down and eat. And that's a strategy that can work really well because everybody can get in the habit of putting their phone in the basket. And this is good for older kids, you know, your teens or preteens who might have a phone already. But it's also good for parents because let's face it, I know some of us can bring our phones to the tables ourselves and use those during a meal. So it's a good reminder for everybody to put those away if you've got a place where they go. My second tip is to set the timer on your television so that it automatically turns off by mealtime. So you might set it for 30 minutes if you're planning to sit down to eat within the next half hour. And that way it just automatically goes off. You don't have to worry about remembering to do it. You don't have to ask anyone else to do it. It's just taking care of itself and nobody has to be the bad guy. My third tip 
is to use outlet timers for things like gaming consoles. Because again, it can be hard to tear kids away from these things. But if you have it on an outlet timer, you can set it to automatically turn off by a certain time. It's a reminder that, okay, it's time to switch focus over to eating. Tip number four is to assign someone the mealtime job of reducing distractions. And you can assign this to a different person each day or maybe whoever gets that job gets it for the week. Figure out what works in your family and in your home. But give someone the job of making sure that all of the distractions are reduced during meals. TV and games are off. Maybe the basket is out for the phones and the tablets. Toys are off the table. Whatever it is that you guys are trying to minimize in your home, this person can take care of it. And for the younger kids, if you give them this job, it sometimes helps to give it a fun name. So you might call them the distraction destroyer, and they'll have a lot of fun with that. My fifth tip for you for reducing distractions is to set another mealtime rule that deals with all of the non-screen time distractions. No toys at the table, no books at the table, whatever it might be. If you have pets and you've noticed they're a distraction, perhaps someone has a mealtime job of putting the pets away in a different room so they can't come to the table and pull attention away from the meal itself. And my sixth and final tip is to increase family interaction because a lot of times this will just drown out the distraction if you guys are talking with each other and engaging with each other and really enjoying the company of one another. And if you're not sure how to do this, you can try a few really simple little games to get some sort of fun interaction going. I'll give you a few ideas of things we do in my home. So one option is to try a question game, and this is kind of a broader category. You can do anything with it, but the idea with a question game is that you come up with a topic and each person gets a guess or ask a question about it. For example, maybe your topic is animals. One person thinks of a specific animal, then you take turns asking for details to figure out what this animal might be. You might say, okay, I'm thinking of an animal that lives in the jungle. And then each person takes a turn asking for details like, does it have fur or does it fly? And you just go around until someone guesses correctly what the animal was. The other option for a question game is that each person asks a random question for everyone to answer. And again, this can be based on a topic that everybody picked beforehand, or they can just be completely random. Maybe they're asking questions like, if you could eat the same thing for every meal, what would it be? Would you rather questions tend to work really well? You can ask something like, would you rather have the strength of a bear or the speed of a cheetah? And another version of this that we've done is to use the alphabet to kind of guide the game. You identify a particular category or topic, and then everybody takes turns naming an item from that category based on each letter of the alphabet. If the topic is fruit, the first person gets the letter A, and they might choose apple. The second person gets B, they might say banana, and so on and so forth. The nice thing about these guessing games is that You can tailor them based on the ages of your kids so that you can get the younger kids involved but still have it be engaging enough for the older kids. And if you've got kids who are pretty far apart from each other in age, then maybe pair them up and they can work together as a team. 
those tend to be a lot of fun and they really increase the engagement. So even if there are distractions present, everyone ends up having so much fun with the interaction that they kind of ignore the distraction. But I would definitely try to minimize those in addition to increasing the interaction. I know that a lot of the time distractions at meals have grown to be a comforting habit. It can be really hard to take them away. My advice is to start slow with maybe one day a week where you remove the distractions from the meals. And once everybody's in the routine of doing that, then add another distraction-free day and just keep adding another distraction-free day each week or every two weeks until most days your meals are distraction-free. That being said, I do encourage some flexibility and fun. It can be enjoyable for everyone to have a dinner and movie night where you eat while watching a movie. And if you want to do this, that's fine. Just make it something that you do once in a while. You do it on occasion. And be sure to serve a variety of nutritious foods, knowing that usually when we do this, we don't choose the best foods to be eating. My family does this every other week, sometimes once a week, depending on our schedule. But what we'll do is we'll all pick a movie to watch and then we'll have a balanced dinner while we watch it. And we'll follow that dinner with popcorn or maybe a dessert. But because the kids had a nutritious dinner first, they don't go overboard with the treats we have afterward. And because we don't do it very often, they're not programming their portion memory, so to speak, to eat larger portions. And this is a way to strike a nice balance between having that distraction-free, focused mealtime and a little bit of slightly indulgent fun together. That is all I have for today. If you guys start reducing distractions during meal and snack time, let me know what happens. I really want to know what tip you're using, what changes you see in how your kids eat, or even in how you eat. What's the impact on everybody? I would love to hear what outcomes you're seeing. And of course, if you have any questions about distracted eating itself or topics from previous episodes, send them to me on Facebook or Instagram, and I will get back to you with an answer. You can find the links to the social media pages in the show notes, along with all of the research I looked at to develop today's episode. Thank you for being here with me today and supporting this podcast. Until next time, I hope you enjoy a meal with your kids.